While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. This is Moving Through Georgia, and today we'll be discussing a tragedy in Georgia. Actually, we will be discussing several tragedies in Georgia. Not long ago, I found a newspaper article about a murder in Banks County, and I wanted to look into it a little more. I knew it was somewhere on my computer, but I couldn't find it, so I decided to search for it in the Library of Congress newspaper archive. I remembered the headline, A Tragedy in Georgia, so I looked it up. 753 hits. I guess there are a lot of tragedies in Georgia. For comparison, 302 hits for tragedy in New Jersey, 426 for tragedy in Florida. And once in a while I do a Looking Through the Papers episode, and for this one we're going to do all articles with the headline, A Tragedy in Georgia. The first took place in Warrington in 1869. Charles Wallace, editor of the local newspaper, had applied to join the Masonic Lodge. The Masons held a vote and Wallace was turned down. Apparently, a unanimous vote is necessary to admit someone, and one of the members had blackballed him or cast a vote against him. Wallace's friends poked around, asked a few questions, and decided that the no vote was from Dr. G. W. Darden. There was some back and forth between the two. Some said that Darden had promised to vote yes to Wallace's admission. Some said that one was a Democrat and one a Republican and that the vote was political. Eventually, Wallace took his anger out on Darden in the newspaper, calling him a liar and a scoundrel in print. Unfortunately, I can't find any of his editorials, but they must have been something because Darden shot Wallace on the street as Wallace walked past his office. Darden was arrested, but he was taken from his cell in the middle of the night by unknown men and shot to death, all over a vote in the Mason's Lodge. The headline Georgia Tragedy in the next case comes from the Bryan Morning Eagle, a Texas newspaper, and this is 1900. In Forest Hill near Augusta, a fight had broken out at a school event. The Moran family had bad blood with the Hamilton family, and when both sides attended some sort of school function, they all had knives and guns with them, just in case. Harvey Moran and his sons, Harvey and Herbie, that's Herbie, H-U-R-B-Y, were on one side, and Stronder, Cass, and Carlos Hamilton were on the other. The paper says that women fainted and children screamed, and when it was all over, Herbie and Carlos were dead. Harvey Jr. was badly beaten, and the rest suffered minor injuries. These are fairly short stories, because in so many cases there's only one newspaper article about the tragedy. Other papers may have picked it up, but they mostly reprinted whatever the first story said. For each of these, I've searched Georgia Historic Newspapers and the Library of Congress for more details, but usually there's only one mention of something you think would be a major event. Next comes a story headlined, A Georgia Domestic Tragedy. 
It's the story of a farmer named John Madgett and his wife, whose name isn't given in the six or seven articles I did find about this story. The unhappy couple lived near Augusta and didn't get along well. He applied to the courts to end the marriage and brought with him a detailed list of, and this is right from the paper, the little domestic infacilities that are wont to sometimes ripple even the placid surface of true love. They knew how to write in those days. Seriously though, he listed the reason for every argument. There were 5,110 of them. Here are a few. 821 arguments because he tracked mud in on the kitchen floor. And yeah, he was wrong there. 1,589 arguments because meals weren't ready. 422 because he snored. 123 because she had cold feet. 1 because the cow choked on a raw turnip. 1 because the canary bird died. 1 because Brian wasn't elected president. 1 because the house smelled of cabbage. 42 because she laughed when he stubbed his toe on the rocking chair in the dark. And 1 because France wouldn't give up Alsace-Lorraine. A South Carolina paper concludes that the real source of their bickering was the fact that they didn't have children. He only listed one argument about not having children. But they explained that a dozen or so children would have kept them too busy to argue, although they do concede that it would have been hard on the children. Okay, back to the tragedies. This is from the Wrangell Sentinel in 1916. And this is from Wrangell, Alaska. Now, this must be some Georgia tragedy to make the news in Alaska. Of course, newspapers outside Georgia would occasionally print articles that portrayed the people of Georgia as lazy, ignorant hillbillies that grew cotton and tended their stills all day. This is no exception. Charles Gaddis and his friends, Jack and Homer Weehunt, were up in the mountains brewing beer when their business was disrupted by government agents. The revenue men broke up the still and disposed of the beer by pouring it into an old well. Why they would do that instead of just pouring it onto the ground, I'll never figure. And of course, after the G-men left, the three started to drink the beer from the well. And of course, all three managed to fall in. They spent a long night in the well, but managed to catch the attention of some children passing by the next morning. Sadly, though, all three drowned before help could arrive. This next one is the story I was trying to learn more about in the first place. The headline is A Georgia Tragedy, and this is from the Bloomfield Times in Pennsylvania. The fact that this doesn't make the papers anywhere in Georgia leads me to believe, along with a lot of these other stories, that the facts were either completely twisted before the newspaper got them, or it's just completely made up. I really believe the newspapers would publish just about anything in the 1800s, and a lot of stories came from idle gossip or stories that people brought back after long trips. The Pennsylvania paper even references the specific issue of the Atlanta Herald where they first learned of this story, and the Atlanta Herald doesn't have it anywhere. 
The time is August 1873, and the place is Banks County, Georgia. Three characters, a teacher named Alfred Alexander, his wife, and a 21-year-old student named John Moss. Having some familiarity with Banks County, I can't figure out where a 21-year-old would be a student of anything in that area. Either way, Mrs. Alexander had a reputation of reporting misbehaving boys to her husband, and one day she reported John Moss. Moss and Mr. Alexander started to argue, and when Moss implied that Mrs. Alexander was either incorrect or was lying, Mr. Alexander drew a knife and stabbed Moss in the chest. Moss luckily had his own knife and used it to stab Alexander. Moss was injured, but managed to get up and try to escape, and that's when Mrs. Alexander took her husband's knife and stabbed him in the back, killing him. The article states that the school and community were thrown into consternation and excitement over the affair, but not enough to warrant a mention in any Georgia paper. This is Moving Through Georgia, and of course we can always be reached at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. I'm really excited to tell you that I have two live shows coming up. The first one is Saturday, April 6th. That's at BSG Cafe in Cornelia. That's a new place next to Big Daddy's. Next, on April 13th, at Sweet Southern Creations on Washington Street in Clarksville. That's more or less across from the theater. Both will start at 3 o'clock. They'll last about an hour. No admission, of course. And both will lean a little more heavily on true crime than I've done in other live shows. The Cornelia show will focus mostly on Cornelia and the Clarksville show on Clarksville. If you've done a Haunted Habersham ghost tour with me, this is all new material. I'm not reusing any material from the ghost tours. And I'm really excited to get out and meet some people who are listening to the podcast. So if you can make it on April 6th or April 13th, I'd really love to see you there. And, of course, this brings us to our final tragedy. Now, I am coming from the Lake County Times, which is in Hammond, Indiana. The year is 1910. The headline is, A Georgia Tragedy. On last Saturday, Professor B.L. Sewell bought a dozen eggs and put them on the seat of his buggy so they wouldn't get broke. After attending to some business in the store, he lit into his buggy, sat down on the eggs, and lost 35 cents without even getting a taste of one of them. I did manage to confirm the story. It was also published in the Dahlonega Nugget. They just didn't use the headline, A Georgia Tragedy. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe From an adept pretty gal to Georgia That's all